You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Well, I kind of did not have any other option except just to walk on stage and play and do your thing, you know. And uh, it, it was it was weird on the on the first times, of course, because there was not the alcohol in your system to loosen you up a little bit. So you kind of like then I learned to live with that one and noticed that you don't actually need the alcohol to loosen up. You can just go there and have fun. So that's what I've been doing ever since. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I most certainly hope that you had an excellent weekend. I most certainly did. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal promoter. When there isn't a global pandemic crippling the music industry, they normally put on a bunch of amazing shows here in Montreal. But not only that, they also put on one of North America's sickest metal festivals. And uh, it is the absolute truth when I say this because I have played just about every fest out there across the globe and Heavy Montreal is up there with the best of them. I am very, very stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox and Hops podcast. We have now entered our third week of Vox and Hops' Sober February. This is something that I've been wanting to do for quite some time for the podcast and uh, I personally am really enjoying it. I hope that you guys are enjoying all of this content which has been framed around having a balanced relationship with alcohol. I think that it's an important subject and I hope that you do too. Before we jump into today's episode I just want to let you know that you should subscribe to the Vox and Hops Metal podcast if you haven't already but more than that you should take the time to rate it and write a review because when you do that more people just like yourself will be able to discover the Vox and Hops podcast. I've also just launched the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast's newsletter. You could sign up to that on my website, voxandhops.com. That is V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast that past week, including all the details for any episodes that I dropped that week. If I have been a guest on someone else's podcast, There will be the links to the upcoming live interview, Thirsty Thursday Virtual Hangs, as well as the updated links for the Vox and Hops Brutal Awakenings playlist, which has been curated by my man, Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself. The Brutal Awakenings playlist is available on both Apple Music and Spotify and is updated every week. So do yourself a favor, join the party, sign up to the Vox and Hops newsletter. Now, let's jump right into this. On today's Vox and Hops episode, I am with Petri Lindrus of Enciferum. This is Vox and Hops episode number 231. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm with Petri Lindrus of Enciferum. I am super, super stoked to be with you. Last time we hung out was also like this digitally at the Kruachan Virtual Pub, which was uh, a fun, fun day at the basically almost at the beginning of this pandemic. So it is nice to be back with you. How are you doing, Petri? So far, so good. It's a weird time for everybody, I guess. It is. It is. And I like to 
dive straight into that at the beginning of these episodes just to get out of the way so that we can move on to more fun things. Uh, how did you cope with the glorious year that we just finished 2020? <laughs> um, I have actually no idea. The summer went passed like really fast over here because the weather was perfect. It was really enjoyable. So I was hanging a lot in my nice sized balcony nice. for the summer. But uh, now we have the so-called true winter over here. We're like, right now it's minus 10 degrees. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just like a couple of days for minus 20 mm -hmm. over Celsius over yes, here, yes. of course. So you guys use the funny numbers. Oh, no, I'm, I'm Canadian. I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. Yeah. Oh, so you use the real numbers. <laughs> yes. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, we got snow. So it actually feels like winter. That's really cool. But uh, I've been playing a lot of guitar at home, man. Like a lot. Good. Hopefully that means that there's new stuff coming. There is. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. I definitely want to dive into that too as well. Uh, it is very strange for us as musicians to be home for so long and to, especially in the summer. So that's what, you know, summer went by so quickly because we were actually home and we got to see our friends versus seeing our other friends on the road. <laughs> Absolutely. I cannot recall that I have been ever like this long at home in my whole life. Hmm. It's absolutely weird. Do you get a bit stir crazy? I, I personally am an introvert. I don't mind staying home. How about yourself? I think I've been turning into an introvert within the recent years because, you know, when you get home from tours and stuff, uh, I really don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to see anybody. And next thing you know, you're already on a plane. That is correct. To somewhere. <laughs> and you're going to be surrounded with people of different kind and uh it's a uh, i do like it i have nothing against this one it's true it's true and i'm always like that too uh if i have a tour coming up i'm like no i'm just gonna stay home spend some time with the family and the kids and then i go on the tour i come back and i'm like i don't want to go out i just want to stay home <laughs> yeah <laughs> spend some exactly. time with the family and the kids and then i realize that i haven't seen my friends in two years <laughs> kind of like that yes <laughs> but if they're good friends when they do see you everything will be the same and i love those people very much absolutely if you're listening you know uh, who you are <laughs> let's dive into music let's talk about the soundtrack of your youth when you were growing up in your parents or guardians house what music was playing when you were not in control of the music what music did your parents or guardians listen to uh i can pretty much blame my older sister she's 10 years older than me wow. so uh she's clocking now 51 coming up this year so uh a lot of pop music really okay yeah so like michael jackson and madonna and all these ones they're like forever in here i can't get rid of them <laughs> hey and the master songwriters you can't go wrong with that absolutely no no a strong foundation of, of excellent songwriting and composition definitely definitely lends itself into extreme metal as well uh what would have been the first band that was your baby something that you loved that was yours that wasn't an influence from someone else i think it came around like age of 10 pretty much there was the um well, Metallica's Black Album just popped out. There mm -hmm. was Nirvana's Nevermind. These small little albums that came out around that time. <laughs> and uh, then, of course, uh, my friend's 
older brother had some Slayer and violence on his CD collection, so we were secretly listening to those ones when he was not around. So <laughs> I, I think it all, all started from that. Did you have to sneak into the room and make sure that you, you don't move yeah. anything? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Exactly. Put everything as they were. Otherwise, we would get beaten up. <laughs> but it was worth it for the metal. It was. It was, you know. Definitely. I, 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 see, that's something that kids won't know, having to sneak into an older sibling's room to, to listen to their music. <laughs> yeah, because now you can just share everything with your, you know, phone. Everybody can use the same <laughs> Spotify and shit. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> How about your first shows? Let's talk about the very first live music that you went to go witness. doesn't have to be metal. It could just be the first time you ever saw a live band. Mm, the one that I remember, like, actually going to see by myself i was going to see megadeth here in helsinki in 95 on their euthanasia tour yeah when i was 15 years old bought two t-shirts from that show i was in the front row my ears were ringing like two three weeks because they played loud and Mm. never been in that kind of loud environment before i had no idea what earplugs were at that point of life so uh and then I actually shredded those T-shirts by playing too much guitar on them. So they got like, you know, puncture holes. The one on the, over here on the waist, since I was wearing a leather belt, mm-hmm. it actually like made a hole this size on it. <laughs> and then the strap kind of like blew open the the left side over here on the shoulder. So they were completely destroyed T-shirts. But they were awesome. Good shirts. That's amazing. Was that your uniform for for many years? (laughs) It was. I think, I don't know how many years they lasted, but I was playing a lot at that time, too. Why the guitar? How did did you gravitate towards the guitar? Um, Who who was the first person that gave you the opportunity to hold a guitar? Let's hear about that. Uh, I can thank my mom for that one. Since uh, his friend was in a serious need of fast cash, when I was maybe around 12-ish, 13, something like this. And uh, she asked me, like, would you like to have a guitar? I was like, sure, why not? You know, it was some Stratocaster copy. The brand was Falcon. Hmm. Never seen or heard one after that guitar. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. I don't know what happened to that one. But uh, that that's how I got started. That's amazing. Do you still have that guitar? Absolutely not. (laughs) No, it was, I think I sold it when I went for the next guitar, which was a Ibanez, was it like an RG 2000, something like this. Yeah. Excellent. Take me to that very first time on stage, your first time on stage. Do you remember your first show? I kind of do. It was absolutely a nightmare. Yes, they normally are. <laughs> yes, it was It was like this uh, school spring party thing that is happening in the, in the gymnasium, big room. Everybody's there, you know. And uh, on the music class, we, we kind of like had this band thing going on at that point, but nothing serious, you know. Everybody's been playing a year maybe or whatever. And uh, we practiced offsprings come out and play hmm yeah and i was doing guitar and vocals because nobody else wanted to sing so i kind of had to do that one and the drummer somehow fucked it up <laughs> there is it's not not a big thing you know there's that that break right before the verse goes on 
he somehow fucked it up like completely. He he lost himself and everybody lost everything. And uh, at that part, I I just said fuck it and I walked out from stage. Really? Yeah. Oh. I'm like, yeah. We couldn't return to the song <laughs> anymore. It, it was like out out completely out. So that was my first time on stage, and it wasn't a a success. As I would say. <laughs> Uh, you know, sometimes you just have to stop and start over. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we did not do that. <laughs> what was the band meeting like after that show? That one I cannot remember. I think it was not not a pleasant one. Uh, being from Montreal, it was very, very easy for me to find like-minded musicians to start bands with. Uh, it was very easy. It was actually fun, and I love it, and I'm so lucky to do what I do. How was it for you growing up uh, in Finland, starting a band, finding like-minded musicians? Was that something that was easy, or did you have to uh, settle for some people? <laughs> Definitely not need to settle for a musician in this part of town. Um First, we started with friends and uh, school guys, you know, finding the neighborhood. It was pr- very easy also, not needed to do kind of like any work for that one. You just had the guys, you just pick who you want to play with and that's that's it. And uh, it went really felt really, like really well at that point. It was a good times. Fun times, those those early early relationships that you make with people playing music it's 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 a it's something very special that i still cherish i still communicate with one a lot of my old band members so i hope you do the same uh let's i'm from montreal so so let's talk about montreal this is a heavy montreal presents vox and hops episode so so i would like to hear about your experiences playing montreal if you have any that come to mind and uh, what do you think about playing montreal montreal fucking rules it's it's one of our strongest places ever been played. It's been like crazy over there every single time. There's the uh, the the old venue. I'm not sure if it's up and running anymore. The medley. Yes, that place. Yeah, uh, that was awesome. Awesome place to play every single time. There was a lot of cool things happening over there. Uh, the guys had to use cables to some time ago over there, some interference with the uh, wireless system. So the guitar player and bass player, they needed to have cables. And of course, they like to run around all, all over the place. The, ba- the stage is really wide, so you can mm-hmm. actually do mm-hmm. that. So they do. And of course, you know what happens with cables when you're not used to playing with cables. <laughs> it's like they <laughs> tangle up and then they like speed up running like crazies and Marcus, he trips on the cable, jacks his guitar on the backwards, and he loses his balance, and he, he dives like straight out from stage oh, at shit. the other end. Yeah, he hits the uh, the PA tower over there, so he didn't go all the way down. Nothing happened, you know. He just disappeared for a half a minute, come back up, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, woo, cool. Absolutely, Montreal loves you guys, uh, and uh, I to miss the medley it was you know a total basically going to school in metal you can go to the medley shout out to uh, steph from bci and everyone else that ran bci all those shows just just so amazing and super stoked uh, the, everything that they built here in montreal the the whole metal scene is really blossomed because of those shows at the medley Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates. 
that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com summer, and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Let's talk about beer. It's Vox and Hops. We have to. Now, I know that you're sober, and I invited you on the podcast because I am doing a sober February, and I want to speak to people who are a part of the music industry, uh, touring musicians who are sober. So, so let's start right with that. Let's start with what you're drinking. What are you drinking right now? And then I will introduce what I'm drinking, and then we'll move forward there. I got hot chocolate in this. Hot chocolate. I love hot it. Hot chocolate. Yeah. I'm shooting hard. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. On my side, I'm going to be drinking uh, Bière Sans Alcool. Uh, this is a non-alcoholic sour brew. Uh, less than... I love the color. Yes, it's gorgeous. Uh, I really, really enjoy them very well. I actually interviewed them as well as a part of this uh, Sober February. They only make non-alcoholic beers. This one is with raspberries, and it has uh, basically no alcohol at 0.05% alcohol. Let's talk about... Uh, your relationship with beer, let's start with the very, very first beer. Do you remember the first beer you ever drank? I believe I do, and the brand was Goff. Hmm. Yeah. And what was that night like? How did that all transpire? I was 13 years old, and I think I finished three bottles, puked. Had a lot of fun, though, because, you know, <laughs> you get really drunk at that age with three beers, and... uh well, yeah, kind of like that. Excellent. Uh, let's talk about you no longer partaking with alcohol, if you feel like opening up about that. Yeah, sure. Um, I was diagnosed with uh, arthritis some years back, and with the medication, what I was getting at that point said, like, no alcohol whatsoever. Hmm. So it was, it was pretty easy decision at that point that do I keep on drinking or do I keep on playing? Wow. See, that's so, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very interesting. And, and how did you adapt your lifestyle? How much of a change was it for you? Were you someone that was big into drinking before that point? It was a big change. I remember the, uh, I started that one in the middle of a festival season, mm. you know. So I think it was like a Monday or Tuesday when I went to see the doctor and I get my first prescriptions from the guy. And uh, the previous weekend was a festival and I knew that it's going to stop on Monday. So <laughs> I, I partied like an animal on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because this is the last time I, in a long, long time, you know. Your last hurrah. <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll show my liver what I'm made of. <laughs> uh, what, what, what was your poison of choice before you could no longer partake? Um, well, I'm finished, so we drink everything that has percentage on it, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my favorite drinks were definitely beer. Uh, later on, I figured out why wine is actually a pretty handy thing. And um, 
and also a ever cheerful gin and tonic yes yes that's one of my poisons for sure um were you ever a fan of craft beer or was it just a standard beer that you would go towards it was standard beer i'm not sure if there was kind of like the uh, the craft beer has been like booming within the few few years so uh i i quit drinking i think it's now six years ago wow so so it wasn't that like well-known thing it was just kind of like at the starting point at least over here so uh just basically just your all everyday beer excellent excellent this is gorgeous pours out the beautiful beautiful reddish hue it does have yeah super sour very delicious uh tart uh fantastic beer uh let's talk about how much drinking was a part of your identity i feel with ensiferum you guys are basically a party band you guys incite joy and ruckus and people come and watch you guys your fans watch you they're there to have a party that's how i see and Safaram, correct me if i'm wrong there but uh how much of drinking was a part of your identity it was a huge part yeah 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 uh we go on stage to party every night and uh you know it was it's you know as a musicians go on a on, on stage either you have a couple of drinks or a couple of more you know you're on a upward slide like this and you finish up strong but uh it was it was a huge change for me because like i said it, my medication started on an early week and the next weekend was the first festival without alcohol and it was extremely weird you know it, it was just I was the only one who woke up sober the next day. <laughs> I was the first one on the parking lot. I'm like, this feels so wrong. Usually I'm the last one. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like performing? Were you someone that would drink a few beers before even getting on stage? Absolutely. Uh, every every single time. Because, you know, even if we do it countless times performing, there is still like a, a ritualistic thing that goes through our mind before we step onto stage. And for a lot of people, having a few beers and getting up there loosens them up and then they can be the performer that they need to be. Was that basically what we were doing or was it just more of like a social thing with the whole band? I think it's a little bit of both, you know, definitely a ritual, of course. And uh, well, some days it was had to like skip that one because you felt so bad from the night (laughs) night before (laughs) it can happen too you know you kind of like overshoot it a bit but that that can happen you know the dark side of touring (laughs) take take me to that first festival it's obviously a big one lots of people there you're standing out on that stage looking out at them with sober eyes for the first time in a long time not because you're hungover because you can't how how did you get into that performance shape that that mindset well i kind of did not have any other option except (laughs) just to walk on stage and play and do your thing you know and uh it, it was it was weird on the on the first times, of course, because there was not the alcohol in your system to loosen you up a little bit. So you kind of like, then I learned to live with that one and noticed that you don't actually need the alcohol to loosen up. You can just go there and have fun. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've been doing ever since. What have been some of the positive changes in your life since you did stop drinking? Uh, I've been staying a lot more healthy obvious one maybe <laughs> but uh, but still needed to, to mention that one there was there's been a 
a lot of times on tours, you know, the, the classical tour flu, for example. Yep. For the past few years, I've been completely avoiding that one since not drinking anymore. And uh, overall, just feeling better, you know. I'm not, I just turned 41, so uh, I think it's kind of like the time to finally start checking up on yourself. That is one of my primary goals for 2021 is to focus on my health and uh, drink less, sleep more. <laughs> Absolutely. Sleeping, that's not a problem for me. <laughs> uh, how did your relationship with your band, did it change at all because you were no longer that party guy with them? Um, for the first couple of years, my drummer was really like bummed about that one. It was like, it was so much more fun when you were still drinking. I was like, yeah, bet. <laughs> <laughs> but I can play guitar. <laughs> but I can play guitar. And I do it fairly decent now because, you know, every time you're drinking, more or less, you know, it affects on your fingers how they work and stuff like that. So now it's like less tacky playing nights. Hmm. So I can actually perform more solid also do you still go and and party with them even though you're not drinking you did come to the virtual pub with us and you were you had a great time throughout that so i'm imagining you do but i imagine you go to bed a little bit earlier than you would have in the past uh not really actually no i since i don't have any options in a tour bus you can't go that far that you could <laughs> avoid the drinking people in the bus so uh, i kind of like you know accept my fate and I go to bed when I'm that tired that when my head hits the pillow, I'll just pass out. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I'll just hang out. You know, usually drunken people, they have something good to say. They're funny. You know, it's it's not a boring evening. Definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> no, and I miss them dearly. I miss those tour bus packages yeah, yeah, when we're all, yeah. you know, a few bands on one bus. and mm -hmm. The crazy have... ideas pop up usually between, let's say, three and six or 10 a.m., you know, yeah. <laughs> when, when someone, you know, comes down with that extra bottle, you know, that's always the bad idea yes. bottle. <laughs> it's like, now we're out of everything, and there's a, like, yeah. goes to his bunk, <laughs> slam. See, I no, do that, but not. I do the opposite. I bring it down, and I go, good night, and I walk away. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the, that's the wise decision to do. <laughs> and then I wake up and see all the zombies. <laughs> yes, yes. Awesome. Awesome. I, this is a new thing that I'm interested in. You are a touring musician. You're, you're in a successful band. So obviously your plan A worked. What if plan A didn't work? What would you be doing, Petri? Oh, I have absolutely no idea, man. I have no idea. There was no other dream that you had growing up that, that you would have strived towards? No, actually, no. You know, since I picked up the guitar and... Uh, got into that one and uh, I had friends already, you know, making a name for themselves, like Children of Bottom, for example. Yes. So uh, I was just, you know, when got to know the guys in 95-ish, 95, 96, something like this. And uh, the first album came out 97 from them and, uh, you know, they took off like a rocket at that point. And uh, I'm like, yeah, I think that's what I want to do too. So <laughs> I skipped school completely. You know, did my mandatory like military service out of the way over here, and then, then I was working a day job till two thousand five, and after that, one being as a professional musician. Wow, 
<laughs> it's amazing. It's, here too in Montreal, it was easy to look around and see that it is possible. You know, you could become a touring musician. It, it, it is a viable yeah. option if you put the work in. Absolutely. And you have the right circumstances of, of perfect timing and obviously talent. Yeah. Good timing, good music, and uh, you're actually willing to sacrifice your kind of like whole life for it. You know, it's it. This doesn't work if you decide to do like four weekends in a year. It doesn't pay off in a band ensiferum size. You know, if you play like stadiums, then four shows in a year, I think it's <laughs> it's doable. But with us, you know, we make our living by being on the road. It's true. It's true. You got you got to put the work in. Um, from observing your your Facebook posts and and I've been checking them out, uh, you seem to enjoy cooking very much. Am I correct there? I do. I do. Yeah, it started with uh, one of my Facebook Facebook posts. I made a dish and I posted just a picture on a plate. When I moved in over here, I basically had nothing in this apartment, so uh, it was just a chair and a like a small drawer from IKEA that handled as my whatever table I needed to be. And uh, somebody was then saying, like, you should make a cooking video. I'm like, sounds epically awesome. How can I fuck that up? (laughs) So uh, then I decided to do that one, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Definitely going to do more of that one. Excellent. What is it about cooking that you enjoy so much? The wonder of success, you know, (laughs) that I can make food that I can actually swallow myself. That it actually tastes good. I'm like, I'm fairly surprised about that. <laughs> well, what is your relationship with food when you were growing up? Uh, did you cook as a, when you were younger, or did, is it something that you had to do out of survival once you did move out? Uh, when I was a kid, my mom said that I ate nothing but rye bread. Really? Yeah, occasional meatballs. <laughs> but I'm like, otherwise you didn't want to eat anything else. I'm like, really. It was like, yeah, okay, cool. So what did I... Well, never been that big of a fan, actually, hanging in the kitchen for, I don't know. I've been doing a lot of microwave stuff, frozen things, a lot. But uh, <laughs> now, of course, on this quarantine thing, you know, uh, since all the restaurants are closed and everything, so I uh, needed to kind of like pick it up a little bit so i got a food shop just right across the street over here like i can be there in maybe 75 seconds if i go fast so it's it's like really close so i've been cooking a lot says also that comes way cheaper than buying all all this ready-made stuff but also the quality of the food and taste is way better when you actually do it yourself yes and it's much healthier because there's no preservatives in it yeah (laughs) <laughs> uh, let's talk about how you've been filling the void. You mentioned that you've been home the longest you've ever been. That that goosebump feeling right before you know an intro starts and you're climbing onto stage is something that that you know I miss dearly. Luckily, I have a little bit of that before I sit down and do these interviews. I'm like, are they going to connect? How is this going to go? Are we going to you know are we going to get along? How have you been filling the void? Uh, in the beginning of the lockdown. I was, well, feeling extremely bummed because uh, we just finished the album recording in February and got it mixed. Everything was done by March and uh, getting very stoked that the uh, the album is coming out in July. 
add all this one and then in March, around halfway midway March, everything is shut down, canceled for the unknown time period to come. And I'm like, well, damn. So what now? Because we're we were supposed to start playing festivals in May. So we didn't have a tour booked or anything at that point. So uh, this is the longest vacation in my whole life right now, you know. And um, at the beginning, I was so excited because I, I like I got unlimited time to kill my Xbox. <laughs> so I did that one, like you know, like this twelve to sixteen hour straight, you know, like having breakfast, turn it on. Notice around 10 o'clock in the evening that, dude, you missed your dinner. Like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. You know, these kind of crazy days. But uh, that kind of like faded a little after a couple of months. And uh, been also playing a lot of guitar, which is really cool since I haven't had the time to play for myself in years anymore. That's crazy. You know, it's been so, so crazy schedules with the shows and tours that in between time, I did not feel the urge or need or the want to pick up the guitar and start doing something, you know, it's just, I'll put it right there with the suitcase and I'll pick it up on the next way I go out. So that's it. But now it's been really awesome to be playing this much everything else than Ensuferum's material. That's amazing. I've definitely heard that before from other people as well, that, uh, you know, you prepare for a tour. So you're learning songs that you wrote, you're writing for a, for a new record, you're, you're trying to get those out of you, and, and then you go on tour and you play those tracks. When you come home, you're just so sick of it <laughs> that you don't even pick it up or gravitate towards it as a, as a thing of pleasure. Whereas yeah. when, when you were a kid, oh yeah, all you could do was play guitar. Yeah, learn new things, you know, check out other songs, what you wanted to learn and, you know, learn new licks and stuff. It, it was so awesome as a, as a kid, when I was practicing, it was like between five and eight hours, Wow! you know, like, like these crazy freaking days, you know, everybody else was doing, you know, skateboarding and hanging out or whatever. And I'm at home, like doing this, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't regret it. And now I kind of have that same kind of feeling again, what I had when I was 14, 15 years old. Our silver lining of COVID right there. Absolutely, yeah. So you guys dropped Thalassic via Metal Blade Records on July 10th. Uh, and now these riffs that you are writing, is it you're saying that you're playing anything but Ensiferum, but when you write some riffs, they must be classified in your mind like, oh, this could be a new Ensiferum riff. Are, are you working on some new material? You were mentioning that earlier in the chat. Yeah, we are also checking out new stuff with Ensiferum since, you know, there's no show still in the calendar so uh just try to use the time what we have at hand to check out new stuff because once the touring starts it's gonna be like oh damn we don't have any time to mm-hmm. check out anything anymore like i think you already know that mm-hmm. kind of issue as well so uh try to use the time and also checking out some Heavy metal stuff that is not actually Ensiferum related that much. So I uh, try to cook up some heavy metal of my own also over here. Very cool. Would that hypothetically yeah. lead to a, a new solo thing? Most likely, yes. Oh, very interesting. That's exciting. Yeah. 
Is that something that you've always wanted to do but never had time to do? I already got this feeling many, 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 many years ago. But then this happened, what I just told you, you know, between tours and stuff, you know, there's like, uh, <laughs> no, not today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe next month. I'll check it out after this year, you know, <laughs> all these kind of plans, but never, never got fulfilled. But now there is all the time in the world I need, need for that one. So I've been, I've been riffing a lot lately. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. You guys obviously couldn't tour to Lassic, but if you could have handpicked the perfect, perfect tour package for your most pleasure and for your fans' most pleasure, what bands would be on that bill? Oh, damn. That is always a tough one. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a really tough one because I uh, also would like to have it like a little, little bit of a, like versatile, you know, not that you have like four folk metal bands in mm -hmm, it, you mm -hmm. know, that's like too much whistling and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, have it like a really good one that there would be metal for everyone on it. Have some like, you know, yeah, trash, speed metal, some very good death metal, black, black metal band on it. And uh, I don't know. If the power metal band would be like really, really good, then I would take one. <laughs> <laughs> Petra, I'll wrap this up. One last question. It never happens to you anymore because you don't drink. But, you know, you see your, your bandmates suffering this. Uh, you used to suffer sometimes. Or what is there or what would you suggest to them? And what was your hangover cure? Just open up a new one. <laughs> <laughs> or just suffer the consequences there was no cure for that one it it, it, cut, it goes what it came with you know basically you can just reschedule it for the next day if you want but otherwise it was just pure suffering man <laughs> the rescheduling i feel it's always worse much much worse it is it is but uh you know it's it's the price you pay for having fun <laughs> It's amazing. Patrick, thank you so, so much for taking the time, having a chat with me about your life, music, and about enjoying beer in the past. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Patrick. Cheers. Thank you very much. Cheers. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. What an excellent conversation this was. I just found myself giggling and having a great time. Petri is very funny, very cool, very creative. I personally am really looking forward to that solo record that he hinted at at the end of this conversation. I hope that he continues uh, pursuing that and putting the time in now that he does have a little bit of time on his hand because of the pandemic. I hope that this is something that sees the light of day and uh, I'm excited about it and I hope that you are too as well as that new Enciferum record you know they just dropped one last summer and here they are already writing the next one I love the work ethic it's it's how bands should be composing themselves during a pandemic massive hails to Petri for making the right decision and choosing guitar over drinking obviously the right decision because uh, it's his passion it's what he loves and now because of that decision 
the world is a better place because we get to hear more of his riffs, and I am grateful for that. If you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should subscribe to it on the podcast platform of your choice. But not only that, you should take the time to rate it and write a review, because when you do that, more people just like yourself will be able to discover the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. Also, don't forget, I'm inviting you to the party. Join the Vox and Hops newsletter. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. I will be sending you one email a week with all of the details of everything that has happened in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast because I don't want you to miss a single thing. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I have two more episodes coming up this week, one dropping on Thursday and another on Friday. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Okay.